This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons for that. He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are we going? Oh, doing very well, thank you. Daytime record today, so the mm. sun's out, which is nice. Uh, big show coming up. Uh, let's get into it. Earning persistently low wages, Thomas, has been linked with memory loss. I forget why. Could having rich friends make you wealthier? <laughs> yes, if you steal from them, but there may be other ways. And could we see the Nike Air Ponzi in stores anytime soon? Not sure about that. We've got a story about a sneakerhead who really put his foot in it. But first, Ooh. Thomas, Belgium, famous for chocolate, beer, waffles, and now inflation. <laughs> Thomas, could we soon be enjoying Belgian-style inflation here in Australia? Yeah. Well, we covered off the wages last week. So far, there's no, no heat in the wages system in Australia, but... Belgians a different story. Belgians Belgians are copying it. Yeah, a bit of criticism over there because they've, they've got an unusual wage setting system over there. So they're both the public and private sector wages are indexed to inflation. So having right. public sector wages indexed to inflation is fairly common, but having private sector wages indexed to inflation is a bit unusual. Don't they don't they have a do they have a choice in the matter? Like it seems like the private sector could just not do it if they didn't want to. Yeah, I don't think that their industrial relations system set up like that. Oh. Yeah, there's something they they brought it in at, in nineteen twenty at the end of World War One. Yeah, and then private sector wages now just it's just standard like in an employment contract that it's indexed to inflation. Well, not quite inflation; it's indexed to the oh. health index, which is CPI inflation excluding alcohol, tobacco, and petrol. Right. If the price of booze goes up, you don't get a pay rise. <laughs> but if the price of everything else goes up. <laughs> They're interesting exclusions, alcohol and petrol, like petrol being a staple, uh, alcohol arguably as well, especially in Belgium. Belgians love their beer. They've got like a thousand different beers. Yeah, petrol's a bit of a funny exclusion. I don't quite understand. Like, isn't that like, isn't petrol like the fundamental, like one of the fundamental kind of measurements of inflation? Like, mm. if the cost of petrol's going up, then we're like, yeah, we're pretty sure we've got inflation in the in the environment. I guess yeah. it could be just oil prices. Yeah, it'll pass through. Like, every, like is petrol, you know, because it's such a mm. fundamental component of production, it'll pass through into the price of everything. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know why that why they exclude it. It's yeah, a different right. odd one. So, wages are indexed to. The health index mm. or inflation. Mm. 
So what's what's Belgium's inflation rate at the moment? Do you know? Well, they're over nine percent. So like a lot of a lot of places, CPI is right. running over nine percent. So that means that everyone's wages have also increased by nine percent. Ah, uh, they do it more on a quarterly basis. Right. It, yeah, it sets a different time. So not quite like that. But the National Bank of Belgium is. Uh, expecting like on the back of this, on the back of current inflation, that wages will go up twelve percent over the next two years. Right. So that's a pretty, that's a good wage increase. You think you talk, think about Australia's running at two and a half percent a year? Maybe we get five percent in two years. Mm. Belgium, they're up at twelve percent. So yeah, pumping along. So is everyone there just like just cheering for the war, <laughs> just cheering for China lockdowns? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, like just generally barracking for inflation. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. If- I guess it doesn't matter because of all the things they're buying are all kind of just, tr- it's all even evening out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, the World Health Organization is looking into whether COVID originated in Belgium now. Given that- <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah no i mean it's it's right like it's 12 percent. it's a, it's a big wage increase but your prices are going up nine percent a year so you're talking about wages mm. i mean by design what the indexation does is it makes sure that wages keep pace with inflation which means that real wages aren't going backwards like you, we talked about this last week like real wages in australia are tanking like it's means that your purchasing power mm. is going backwards belgium has this unique situation in the entire world Actually, I think Luxembourg also has has a system like this, but a unique situation mm. in the world where wages keep pace with inflation, which means that purchasing power remains constant. And it's sort of like this weird mm. thing where like, this is really unusual that what a weird way to structure your economy that workers should be able to buy the same amount of stuff with the same <laughs> amount of money. You know, everyone's everyone's laying into them, like the OECD, OECD's having a go, the European Union's having a go. Saying like, oh, you're going to create a wage price spiral with this. Mm. That's and it is a you know potentially. And then it's like check the history books though. Check check the record. We've got like this was in from 1920. Mm. If things were going to turn pear shaped, wouldn't they have turned pear shaped by now? Well, this is the thing. The government does have the ability to pause the indexation, and they've done mm. that before. They did that in the oil crisis in the back in the 70s, and then I think in 2015 or something like that. Uh, yeah, 2015. They have the ability to pause it, um, and that's what they're sort of like. Or, or everyone's ganging up on them now to say you should you should really pause this. Right. The, the other the other thing that's sort of interesting about Belgium's scenario is that the wage differential between Germany and France, their neighbours, really matters because, like, if you're thinking about setting up a, a business in Belgium, you can go like, oh, I could go to Belgium or I could go to Germany. Mm. So the wage differential starts to impact that decision right and and that's what they're saying one of the key things here is like germany doesn't have indexation and wages aren't going anywhere near as fast so that makes belgian labor less competitive relative Mm. to the germans and for belgium their four-fifths of their gdp comes from from exports Mm. so it's a bit of a sensitive issue so then the last time that when they paused it back in 2015 that wasn't because of runaway inflation it was because the the fear that this wage differential with the neighbors was the wage gap was getting too big the good if you were living on the border like in germany Mm. but like working in belgium you're just paying like german prices for everything but earning belgian wages Mm. as inflation goes on a tear away yeah like 
I don't know. I'm not, I'm not good with geography. There's yeah. probably a massive river or something that runs on the border that <laughs> <laughs> makes that a totally yeah, impractical yeah. Well, scenario. Is, uh, right. So what's the problem with it then? So is it is it going to end badly? Yeah, I mean, I think that the problem is the, is the idea of a wage price spiral and that getting out of hand. But I, f- I feel like the more I look at this fear of a wage price spiral, the more it feels like workers are getting screwed in that story. Like we're not looking at other ways to keep costs down. We sort of sold like, oh, we don't want a wage price spiral. But like what's hidden behind that is the request is like, hey, we're asking all workers to accept a pay cut to make sure inflation doesn't get out of hand. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. Like in Australia, real wages have gone nowhere for over a decade. Profits have done very well. A lot of that's with the mining sector, but still profits are doing quite well. It's like... Why are we just assuming that we're going to push this burden onto onto workers and ask people to take a real pay pay cut? Is that really the best we can do? Yeah, and it seems like the RBAs they're hoping for unemployment to rise too, which is another way, you know, <laughs> like of. <laughs> so we're, we're we're kind of going well. We're gonna we're worried about the wage price spiral, so we're giving you effect, an effective pay cut. Um, but also we're hoping that unemployment goes up because that'll help get inflation under control as well, which is just another way of saying we hope that more people lose their jobs. <laughs> like it seems like the solution to inflation yeah. is like just putting people out of work and making life miserable for people in a high inflation environment. Yeah, is that really our best solutions for bringing inflation down <laughs> is just kick people? <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is where I'm picking the... The festering wound at the heart of capitalism here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thomas, what's this about poor wages causing memory loss? Yeah, this is a new study in the American Journal of Epidemiology. Mm. Yeah, saying that persistently low wages, earning low wages through your life, is associated with more rapid memory decline in later life. Um, yeah, they present from results presented at the 2022 Alzheimer's Association International Conference. Yeah. It's not just a desire to forget. <laughs> getting kicked by the RBA your whole life. Getting kicked, kicked by the government your whole life. I'd really not, not, not like to remember that if I can help it. Like we know, we know that lower income is associated with other adverse health impacts. So it's, there's um, depressive symptoms, hypertension and obesity are all associated with lower wages. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of interesting. It's not like they don't talk about why. Like it's not a – they don't identify the causal link. It's more of a just a, like a, a noting a correlation saying, well, we'll look at this, people who earn low wages mm. have – bad memory as they get old. But that uh, but that would be, there'd be a lot of other things that would correlate as well, wouldn't there, with, you know, like, I don't know, like low wages, low socioeconomic conditions, low, you know, the, if you look at things like smoking and drinking and all that stuff, it's probably more prevalent in low socioeconomic Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right, that's right. I mean, yeah, the way they talk about it, saying the, the head researcher, Dr. Katrina Kizios, said, our research provides new evidence that sustained exposure to low wages during peak earning years is associated with accelerated memory decline later in life. Right. Like sustained exposure to low wages, like that's not really the that's not the, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the causal link there, right? Like it's like, oh, I've been exposed to... <laughs> 
I've been contaminated by low waves. <laughs> like it's right, like it's radiation. <laughs> like you've been living next to a phone tower your whole life. <laughs> Just been belted with low yeah, wages yeah. my whole life. Yeah, so that's right. So, so the, the, mm. the, the causal link must be through something else, like through substance abuse or poor diet even. could be poor nutrition um, or it could be stress, you know, like low, lower wages and having low income means you're probably stressed a lot more than someone with lots of money or with higher wages. I mm. imagine stress and wages are correlated. So it could be, could be even stress. So they don't really say, so they don't, right. you know, they're just sort of noting that it's, that it's a, that it's a, there's a correlation there. What can we do? What can we do about it? Anything? Give people more money. Right. It's uh, easy. Yeah. Stop kicking them. The other thing is like the, the impact's not huge. Mm. So they, they took a bunch of, a cohort of people born between 1936 and 1941 and then tracked them from 2004 to 2016 and saw what happened to, to their memory decline. So sort of like between sort of mm. 75 and 85. And what they're finding is that on average, if you had lower wages, it mm. added one extra year of decline over a 10-year period. So it's sort of saying by the time you're 85, you have the cognitive abilities of an 86-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other way around. By the time you're 86, you've got the cognitive abilities of an 85-year-old. No, it's worse. If you had low wages. No. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go on. Yeah, so yeah. low wages are getting right. to you there, Adam. It's hurt. <laughs> hurting your maths. You need to take this as an example to your employer. Well, the, yeah, but uh, no. But <laughs> My memory's going. You need to pay me more. All right, why don't we pause here? We'll grab a quick word from this week's sponsor. Be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. You can, of course, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. Uh, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at CVE Podcast. Thomas, why could having rich friends make me wealthier? Yeah, this is a new study out of Harvard. We're mm. cutting edge science this week. Yeah, Raj Chetty, a researcher in Harvard, found that if you grow up in places where you have access to wealthier people in your social network, mm. um, you end up more successful and wealthier as an adult. Right. Yeah, one, and the impact is actually incredibly powerful. So say now they're saying one of the most powerful predictors of whether you rise out of poverty is how many people you know who are well off. And it's saying it's more important, has more impact on your um, outcomes 
in life, mm. than, school, than school quality, job availability, community cohesion, or family structure. Really? Yeah, Just it's more <laughs> important than all of those. <laughs> wow. So don't pay for private schooling for your kids. It's a waste of money. Just hook them up with some rich friends. Yeah. Well, paying, get, putting poor kids in private schools helps, but not because of the school quality. Not because of the school, right. Because they'll have wealthier access to wealthier friends. Ah. Yeah. Right. Wait, gee, we're really tackling the, the, the class divide here. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, you're low income, <laughs> you're going to have terrible memories or no memory later on. But if you're rich and you hang around with rich people then you'll be even richer. Like it mm. seems like the, we're, we're, we're setting off some trajectories here that, I don't know, is this, is mm. people talk about fate. <laughs> is, this, is this what they mean? Fate is like if you're low income, then you're going to have no, no memory later on and, and if you, you hang around with rich people, then you'll, you know. You'll do better. And everything else doesn't matter because this is fate. Uh, yeah, no, I don't mm. know. I mean... I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to say that the, the Harvard study says it, it, we can't identify the causal link. So we don't know. It doesn't identify why. And so you've got to sort of theor- like come up with theories about why it might work this way. These and studies are pretty flimsy. The last one didn't, didn't have a causal link either. It was just a correlation. And here we are again saying, look, this happens. We don't know why. Yeah. Well, that's, that's part of the science. You observe the correlation and then you try and right. come up with a theory why and then test the theory. One of, one of the theories is what is informational. There's a sort of information transfer that if you hang out with wealthier people, they tell you how to play the game. They help you get into good schools. They help you get into college and that sort of thing. Mm. But there's a dosage effect in this, which is interesting. <laughs> so if you're a poor person who moves to an economically diverse neighborhood at the age of two, mm. you do much better than if you were to move there at the age of 14. Ah. So the more time you spend... Mm. The, the the bigger the impact, but but there's no informational transfer for two year olds. You're not helping a tran- a two year old get it like access mm. in, into college and helping them do the tests and those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. So it's super interesting to sort of like think about what the what that what the causal link is. I don't know. It seems it seems odd that it's about it's focused on wealthy. Like so, if you're having rich friends, then you're like because the because mm. wealth as again wealth comes from. Somewhere, I mean, there's, you know, some of it you'd be born into, I guess. But, you know, if you're wealthy, then chances are you've, you're quite an intelligent person. Like that would make more sense to me that you're, you've made your wealth somehow. And therefore, if you're surrounding yourself with people who have, who have, are successful and have made, you know, good investing decisions or they've made good um, career decisions and they've, they've, I don't know, they're smart people who've built a, a business or something like that then that's maybe more of the story here than the fact that they're wealthy. Like wealthy is a product of the person that they, they are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, no one's saying it's like it's, – I don't think anyone's saying it's the being around money right. just on, on itself. <laughs> just, <laughs> just pool parties and <laughs> yeah. making, it, making it rain. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, so it's so it's more like it's sort of like it's sort of there's some sort of behavioural thing going on mm. there. There's a, another study from Yale by Nicholas Christakis who talks about like the power of friend networks and saying like if you're in a if if someone in your friend network quits smoking, then mm. you're more likely to quit smoking. If you're someone in your friend network gains weight, you're more likely to gain weight. 
but it oh. also says if a friend of your friend who lives in a different town and you've never met, hmm. if they gain weight, you're more likely to gain weight. Wow. I'm going to really have to review my Facebook friends list after <laughs> yeah. this. <laughs> so there's sort of like this sort of the, our social networks define our norms. And so mm. if you're around people who are, you know, applying themselves, wanting to be engineers, wanting to be earn high income, who have good money habits, mm. that just naturally affects how you are and, and how you are in the world. Oh, I can blame all of my life's failures on my mates. I used to kick around with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Bob if he's listening. Hope <laughs> <laughs> you finally finished the union degree after 25 years. One of the interesting policy implications of this is with social housing is one of the key design principles is, is not having it, not ghettoizing it. So not having all the social housing in one suburb, mm. but making sure that, that social housing community housing is located in wealthier network, wealthier suburbs. You don't sort of create cities that have a rich poor divide. Right. And one of the reasons is if you sort of, if you concentrate all the poor people in, in one place, then mm. that sort of, you have this sort of effect. If, if everyone around you is poor, even you're really pushing up, uphill to try mm. and, to try and get ahead. You're not getting supported, but if you have access even yeah, just in a social sense to people who are wealthier, then that just naturally helps you have better mm. money habits. That seems to be what it's saying. The silver lining to all that, though, is that if, if the poor people are all gathered together, then they'll quickly forget about it when they're older. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Thomas, finally, I hear that someone has managed to turn Air Jordans into some sort of Ponzi scheme. What's going on? Yeah, this story is all sorts of crazy. Um, yeah, so a character called Michael Malagzade from mm-hmm. Oregon. The papers are now calling the Wizard of Nike Town. Um, <laughs> well, Nike was, I think, founded in Oregon, wasn't it? It was, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is sort of how he's managed to set this thing up or like right. he's sort of he's traded a bit on his the fact that he's located there. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, he's set up a, he set up a company called Zade Kicks and now he's been arrested um, and facing charges of wire fraud. So, and wire fraud is is sort of like a, if you do it, if you set up a Ponzi scheme, mm. that's what you get charged with wire fraud. With wire fraud, mm. right? Yeah, and it's yeah, and you get as much as thirty years convicted in in prison. Wow! If you if you get done, yeah. So what did he do? So basically, he's selling selling shoes he didn't have. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying when the thing came undone, there was the Air Jordans 11 Cool Grey. I think they're Air Jordan 2s. Oh, is it? Oh, maybe not. Maybe it is 11. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm wearing I, 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 right I, I, now. It was, <laughs> it was news to me they're still making Air Jordans. I was like, wow, really? Oh, dude. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> making Air Jordans. The Jordan brand, in fact, is like it's bigger than ever. Yeah, right. Like it's, wow. It fascinates me that, that Jordan is still such a big brand, yeah. like given that he retired like, what, 20 years ago? Something maybe, like even, that. maybe even more, yeah. Yeah. So the 11 Cool Greys were selling, retailing for 225 He was advertising them, had them on his website for $115. Right. And he sold 600,000 pairs. <laughs> <laughs> Because everyone's like, oh, 115. <laughs> I can, that's a bargain. I can't believe no one picked up on this. Like <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a warehouse? Nope. 
<laughs> I'm just running it out of my basement. So you've got 600,000 pairs of shoes in your basement. Um because yeah. there is this, I'm there, I was looking at this concept the other day. A friend of mine's just started selling, you know, buying and selling secondhand stuff on eBay. There's this new thing called drop shipping. And so drop oh, shipping yeah. is actually a thing now where all these people that list on marketplaces, Amazon, eBay or whatever, then no, no one's holding any stock. And oh, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, like I might just list something that Kmart has <laughs> and mm. hope that you're just browsing eBay and you're not looking at Kmart's website. And I just go, well, I'll just put like, 20% markup on it, on what yeah, Kmart's yeah. selling. And they see it on eBay for me selling it and they go, oh, I like that, I might buy it. Yeah, and yeah. then I just put the order with Kmart and I don't even handle it ever. I just list them mm. as like the um, the recipient on the order and Kmart mm. ships it to them directly. Mm. So, yeah, it's definitely a thing now. Um, mm. But this is like next level. This is next level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so he sold six hundred thousand pairs. Mm. He had six thousand in his, his warehouse. <laughs> oh, so he had some. He had some. Yeah, he's got a right. warehouse. He has a oh, warehouse. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's been oh. running for ten years, so he has been has been selling. Ah, yeah, has been selling. But yeah, so he sold six thousand. So he had he had six thousand. Mm. He sold six hundred thousand. Wow. I don't know what he how he thought he was going to get away with that. Mm. The thing that happened is with COVID and everyone stuck at home, mm. people started trading. Jordans, Air Jordans, like an asset and just yeah, buying right. and flipping them. The article I read interviewed a guy named Jeremy Rogers, mm. 30, 30 years old, a clinical researcher from Fort Worth, Texas. He said that he bought 100 pairs of the Air Jordan 11 Cool Grey, <laughs> 300 mm. pairs of the Air Jordan 4 Retro Lighting, 225 pairs of the Jordan 4 Retro Military Black, 100 <laughs> pairs of the Jordan 4 Retro Shimmer, and 20 pairs of the Travis Scott Jordan 1 High Fragment. All for personal use. <laughs> All for personal use. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Taxman, no, I just I do a lot of basketball, a lot of running. I'm very active. <laughs> so yeah, so he spent $143,000 on sneakers that right. he didn't receive over 15 credit cards. Wow. He said but the ones he did get mm. because he got such a good price for them, the mm. the Jordan Shimmers, uh he bought for 160 and ended up selling for 315 a piece and made 15 grand on the sale. Right. So, so it sort of created this industry of people kind of flipping mm. Jordans. Because the supply chain shocks during COVID hit the sneaker world pretty hard and you couldn't get, you couldn't get like new sneakers for love nor money in that during mm. the, the peak of um, COVID disruption. So yeah, right. the price of, there was like no, the sneaker sales just didn't exist. Yeah, right, right. So you couldn't get, you couldn't get the Nikes you were after. And so I think the price of them just went through the roof generally. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, up a hundred percent. They said for for one of the one of the sneaker models. So is this yeah. actually a Ponzi scheme, or is well, this more? This is just him ripping people off, isn't it? This is just your good old fashioned uh, fraud. Fraud. Well, this this is the thing, right? So if he had just sold stuff he didn't have and ripped people off, he'd mm. probably be looking at five to ten years jail or something. But he turned it into a Ponzi scheme. So if you bought from him mm. and he couldn't deliver, and he often couldn't, mm. then he would give you either the, the retail price back. So if you bought it, the, the discount went 115 and he couldn't deliver, he would give you $225 back. Ah. Or he would give you store credit. That's helpful. That reminds me when, I remember when McDonald's launched McCafe and they were trying to get people to buy their coffees and they were like, look, if you don't like the coffee, um, we will give you a free coffee. 
I was just like, well, that's, I didn't like the coffee. I don't want another one. <laughs> so he's giving people more money than they put in. So, and, and some people are making money off this, but the money is coming from new people coming in and buying. Ah. And so he's, he's cycling the new money coming through. So it's, the, the nature of a Ponzi scheme is that it's always going to collapse once new people, new people stop coming into the scheme. Mm. Um, and so that's what he was doing. He was sort of like cycling this through and people, people were like, this is, this is great. Like I'm, I can't lose either. I get the shoes at a discount price or I get paid out mm. and I was like, I can't lose. And so more and more people are getting involved, it seems, mm. and then it collapses. But it's that Ponzi dynamic that makes it wire fraud, right. which means that he's now looking at 30 years in prison rather than five to, five to 10 or something. Right. Mm. If, he, if he survives. Oh. A mob turned up at his warehouse and, <laughs> and shots were fired and the police were called. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I, I think he got away. He, he was seen. He was seen fleeing on foot, really quickly. <laughs> uh, all right, that does us for this week. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate your support. Uh, don't forget, check out all the other great shows across Equity Mates Media, and of course, check out FinFest happening October fifteen. Head to equitymates.com forward slash FinFest for all the information. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.